Welcome to Beyond the Frontline Lessons from Healthcare Leaders podcast. This season, we are discussing the realities of healthcare leadership during a crisis. We are your hosts, Dr. Linya Yang and Dr. Shanita Johnson. Let's dive in. And we are welcoming Dr. Rachel Kramer to tell you a little bit about Rachel today. Um, in 1998 through 2016, she was the CEO of Kramer OBGYN Associates. She later moved on to the role in 2016 as the lead physician for virtual medical group OBGYN. In 2019, she created a mobile cancer screening unit to increase access. In 2021, she became medical director of women's services at the virtual medical group. So welcome, Dr. Rachel Kramer. Thank you for having me, Linia and Shanita. It's good to see you again. We're so happy to have you here and to really talk a bit about your journey into healthcare leadership. And so first, I'd like for you to take us a little bit through that journey. How did you become interested in healthcare leadership? Well, you know, it's sort of by chance when I came out of residency, I uh, the second job I took uh, um I, I was in a job for just a couple of years and then I uh, was looking for something different. And um, I was offered up in Boston a job where I could start my own practice. Um, and I thought, oh, why not? And uh, so um, my um, husband at the time was an, an MBA and uh, uh, he had, we, we had young kids and he had um, stopped his job to help raise the kids. So I thought this would be great. It'd be a team effort and why not? And um, I went up there and uh, started a practice from absolutely nothing. Um, and I grew it into a four doctor, uh, really, uh, you know, a very, very busy, busy practice, OBGYN practice. And it was really an experience of a lifetime. Um, while I didn't do the, the accounting um, that my that my um, husband at the time did. Um, I certainly did the marketing, and I and I went on instinct, and I really enjoyed it. I had taken some marketing classes in college at at, um, at Wharton, and I really felt like um, I, I I learned I learned a lot. I made quite a bit of mistakes. Um, I uh, but but I tried to learn from them, and um, when I um, came came relocated after. Um, after over a decade uh, back to Philadelphia, back to my home base, um, I took a job with Virtua, um, who, um, which is the uh, healthcare system that does the most deliveries um, in the South Jersey area. And I thought oh, I'll just be, you know, I'll just keep my head down and just be a regular old OBGYN after really being the CEO and really learning a lot about hiring and firing and, uh, you know, and uh, giving feedback to doctors and to staff and, you know, how to grow, how to, how to, where to, is it time to open another office? Where do we put that office? How do we market that? How to get out into the community? You know, all, all of that. I just thought, you know, I'm just going to just keep my head down and, and just be a regular OBGYN. And, um, Virtua uh, needed a lead physician for their group, and I guess they had me pegged when I uh, interviewed. They they asked, and I did it, and I got very lucky. Virtua has a, a really good leadership program, and they sent me to Cape May with a bunch of with a cohort of other physicians who were people who they tagged as uh, as as leaders, and we went there for a week and had a leadership course, and that's where I started to think about 
maybe I should get my MBA. Maybe I needed to, you know, I, I realized all the mistakes I had made when I ran my own practice and all the things I didn't know that I depended on at the time my husband to, to do. Um, and I thought I, I got very interested. You know, it's one thing when you when you sign the checks to to uh, people really listen to you. You're you know to make people do things. But now I was in charge of a bunch of employed physicians, and I didn't have the same authority that I had. I couldn't just say, "Well, you have to do it because I say so." Um, I had to figure out another way, and it was leadership that was um, harder. I think it takes more talent to be that kind of leader. To be honest with you. Um, and um, and virtual was really good enough to to sort of lead me through that. How do I deal with these physicians, some of whom were older, had been in practice longer, felt like their ways were the right ways? How do I come in and and, and change things? And um, and virtual really gave me uh, a lot of the tools. It got me interested, and that's what led me to uh, uh, doing the MBA program at Brandeis, which was just. A phenomenal experience. Um, and, uh, you know, I, and that's sort of, you know, what brought me in um, and, and got me interested. I, you know, Virtua had me going over the budgets and looking at, you know, where could we, where could we, uh, you know, save money? And I'd done some of that. I learned a lot of that from, uh, from my um, husband at the time in Massachusetts when, when I had to do that there, this was on a much bigger scale. And, um, and uh, it was just a really, uh, you know, a great experience. Um, then, you know, I um, I helped Virtua merge two groups together to become one group, employed group that that took a lot of different uh, tools, leadership tools to get two groups that had been private in the past and had been for decades uh, really um, competitors to bring them together and have them now function as a team. Uh, one of the things that I learned at Brandeis from, um, you know, fr from our, from our professors and, and uh, is it, really that a team is so important, you know, being a team, being able to have each other's backs. And I feel like, especially in OBGYN, where the medicine is so stressful and think, you know, everybody is stressed and tired and that, you, I didn't want the relationships that we had with each other to be the same way. I didn't want that to be a source of stress. I wanted that to be a source of comfort and a, sor a source of empowerment that we all could um, could uh, could go back to. Um, and then um, after I did that, I was asked to, um, to, to start a new group. We have multiple hospitals and, and the newest hospital, the one that is the busiest, was uh, the Virtua Voorhees Hospital and Virtua did not have an employed OBGYN group there and so we I helped them start that and uh, we brought in, you know, it was um, a, um, the tools that I had to use were how to, how to get how to get uh, physicians who were seasoned from a different institution, how to get them indoctrinated into the virtual culture, how to, how to get them to accept it and make changes. And, um, and then also how to get the team at Virtual Voorhees to accept a new group. That's very difficult. I used a lot of what I learned when I started my own group at Emerson Hospital, where it was very difficult. You know, doctors aren't aren't as happy to have what they see as competition. Um, and so um, oh, there's a lot of um, games that are played. Um, and I learned a lot from that and I was able to bring that to this. And now, um, lastly, Virtua um, <clears throat> uh, 
uh, took on Lourdes Hospital, um, and that with that came an OB, a maternity ward and an OBGYN group, and to bring them into the culture, and then also to merge them with um, a clinic, the Osborne Clinic, the physicians that work there, they're now uh, virtual physicians, and to get them all together, bring everybody in to make sure that all the outpatient services are this, are, are similar and up to up to speed, um, and to keep it you know to keep it current, uh, to keep all the physicians interested and happy, um, you know um, that that's sort of how it it's grown all, all along. Well, that's amazing with all the stuff that you've been involved in from when you first started out until now. So absolutely. And so one of the things we wanted to kind of get a little bit more from your experiences was kind of the community outreach that you have done. Um, and so I was hoping you can kind of tell us a little bit more about the Mamo Papamobile that you created. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, I'm very lucky that I work at an institution that aligns with how I feel. Um, they're very um, they're very uh, attuned to the social determinants of health and making sure that there's access and or, or trying to, you know, be a really good um, member of the community to make sure everybody in the community feels taken care of. Um, I'm very lucky about that. Um, when I when I had my own practice in Massachusetts, it was um, that it was a different, you know, uh, we, we didn't take Medicaid, we didn't, uh, you know, it was a different uh, population that I took care of. And so I came to virtual and virtual really takes everything, all kinds of insurance, Medicaid and, and everything, which is great. Um, and uh, I noticed that there are something called um, seeds patients, and they never showed up to the office. And I would often be sitting there think, you know, waiting and waiting. I thought that was inefficient. Why am I waiting? And of course, I thought to myself, what's the matter with these, with these, with these patients, with these women? How come they're not here? What, they don't care about their health. They don't care, you know, what's going on. And, um, you know, SEEDS is the, it's the state program for cancer um, early detection screening that the state, um, the state uh, does for, um, for its under un, underinsured women. And um, so I asked the director to pull the numbers. What is the no-show rate? And it was, it was something like 55%. It was very high. Um, and, you know, so you, you think to yourself, well, that can't be because people don't care. That's, there's gotta be a, you know, there's gotta be a reason. And um, in looking more, uh, well, actually, what, what then happened was in, in one of our classes, our entrepreneurship class, um, we were asked to see about starting, a, you know, a business or, and, um, and I thought, gosh, you know, OBGYN and, and, uh, you know, it'd be nice to have one, you know, in, in the community that we're serving and not be so far away, you know, not be so um, uh, removed. I thought it'd be great to have to have it close to people. Um, I talked, I, I asked the, the nurse who was in charge of this, of, of signing up the seeds patients to our office for their pap smears. And she said that they were, when they leased a mammogram from a community, um, from a different community and a mammogram mobile a van from a different community hospital out in, in uh, 
Pennsylvania, and they would go to a church on a Saturday or I mean, on a Sunday, or they would go to um, out into the community and they would get a lot of women and then they would to do their mammograms and they would sign them up to come to our office for the pap smear. And I thought, well, that's why they're not coming. Because, you know, it's a different, it's at a different time. It's, um, you know, you know, these, these women, um, they're, they're working women, they have to take care of a lot, they have a lot of stressors in their life. And they can't just say, well, at nine o'clock, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, uh, you know, I, I can take the time. Um, some, some people work, you know, some of these women work multiple jobs just to survive, or they have kids and multiple jobs or just children. Um, it's, it's, it's very hard. And when you think about it, we're not in the community in, in every, you know, we can't be everywhere, but we're certainly not where, you know, where, where they are. And we're also, our hours aren't, aren't their hours. So um, I, I, this nurse and I got together and we wrote up a pilot plan to see what if we did the pap smear, you know, let's get this mammo pap mobile together and we'll just do it all the same time. And uh, we didn't know if it would fly, you know, first I thought, well, we could do it in the church, but you know, there was privacy issues. And um, so what we ended up doing was taking the mammogram van and pulling it up to our office and saying, let's see if, we, if anybody would be interested, you know, if, if there would be any interest in having the PAP at the same time. So on a Saturday or a Sunday, we would do the mammogram and then we would do the PAP smears and the line was around the block. And it was, it was, the, it was the most incredible thing I've ever seen to sit in my office and wait for people to never show, to, you know, who couldn't show and then to see it wasn't that they didn't want to show. They wanted it so much. They thanked us. They were so grateful. It was that they couldn't, you know, it, you know, um, and it was just, it was such a feeling like I've never, ever had in medicine ever before to be able to help women who, who really need help. Um, and it was fantastic. And so we went on to, to, uh, to, uh, to, we went to the foundation at Virtua. Um, they were interested. The CEO, as I said, uh, Dennis Pullen is fantastic. He's very, um, very aligned with the social determinants of health and, 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 and accessing the community and getting out there. Uh, we have a, um, we have a food pantry, a mobile food pantry at Virtua. So I can write a prescription for any patient that I see to get, um, to, to, to get, you know, food at our food pantry. And then we also have a mobile one that goes out to places where there's uh, food insecurity. We also have um, a pediatric mobile as well. So um, this is something that virtual really strives to do, to really get out to the community where we are and make sure everybody who would like to be screened has access. Um, so uh, that's that's what we did, um, and they approved the board approved the van, and we should have it by the end of this year. Um, to be honest with you, when COVID we we got kind of held up with COVID, although I did point out to the board that or to the CEO that um, when things seemed stalled, that if we had had that van, maybe we could have used it to to do testing to people who needed access for testing. Um, to be honest, we could have used it for vaccines too. So there's a lot of reasons to want to have access. And, and we, 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 we didn't just say this van would just be for pap smears. It could be for everything. We use it for colorectal screening, which is um, 
you know, we can use it for that. We could use it for prostate screening, for uh, skin screening, skin cancer screening. There's lots of uses for it. So uh, right now we're still once a month on a Saturday or Sunday, we still have uh, women who are lined up uh, or um, who come in uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, um, and get their cancer screenings. And I'm, I'm excited to really be able to get out into the communities in a van. I think that's better than being in a, in a brick and mortar place. I think we'll, we'll get to do more, um, but it's, it's a real exciting start. Um, you know, during the pandemic, things were hard way to shut it down for a little bit, just like we, we sort of, I think it was maybe two months or maybe it was one month. I can't remember. It was the one or two months where we actually shut our offices during the big, you know, that first wave of COVID. And we just saw patients with it who were pregnant and had emergencies because OBGYN, we really didn't stop for, for, uh, for the COVID. Um, but we had to stop with the with the uh, um, the the screening mammopap as well um, during that time. And then when once I figured out how we could get safe, safely get patients back into the office and what we could do, we just used the same um, the same protocols uh, for the pa for patients. You know, having them wait in their car and then you know and then coming in that way. Um, you know, we slowed it down a little bit. Um, uh, that sort of thing, asked questions, screening questions, all of that. Now we're just, we're full, we've been really full throttle for, for back again for over a year now. So um, it's really exciting. There's a, a lot of good things that will hopefully come of that. And we're going to be uh, hiring um, a staff as well, which, which I think will be really wonderful. That's really exciting, Rachel. And, you know, it's, it does so much good for the community it engenders trust in the medical community and there's so many downstream um, effects that come from this and this is not the only community outreach you've been involved with i know also um, you know with the crisis that was happening in afghanistan and the evacuation of refugees you were also involved in the care of afghan refugee women yeah. how did that come about and what was your role yeah that was that was what that was something definitely something you know to watch on the news what ha you know afghanis you know fleeing and then you know seeing oh they're going to be at fort dix you know mcguire which is right right you know close to where i am and other places i did i never put it all together until uh you know my boss said hey uh we you know, we've got, a, there, there were, there, I think at the end, there may have been, you know, there may have been like 10,000 um, Afghanis mm -hmm. and um, a lot of them were pregnant. A lot of them were pregnant and um, we are the closest hospital at Memorial, virtual Memorial. And so our, we were tasked with, you know, taking care, you know, figuring out how to do this. And it was coming right off the heels of COVID, you know, we had a staff that was exhausted. It was hard, uh, um, but uh, Virtua just handled it very well. We had, we were all given information on, how, you know, on the cultural differences and, and what to expect and how, um, how to treat them. You know, um, you know, they did, uh, the women didn't want we, we male doctors. So we really uh, made an effort to make sure that there were female, physicians available at all shifts, which was, you know, took some doing um, because there were a lot of Afghanis. Um, we had to have an extra person on call often. Um, so that was usually 
in, in our laborist team and in our virtual OBGYN team, we asked for, for help. And we have such wonderful teams. And I think laying the, fa- the, the, the groundwork for good teamwork and being a strong team and everybody feel that really came home. You know, that that's when I realized, you know, that that was very helpful when I had to ask, hey, I need, you know, I need people to, can, can you take an extra shift, a 12 hour shift to do the Afghani, you know, call to, to take care of the Afghanis. Um, uh, my team really stepped up, the laborers team stepped up. And I feel that uh, a lot of that was because, uh, you know, we, we, everything we do is centered around, I really try to create a culture of, we are a team, we are there for each other, and we, we always help each other out. Um, the Afghanis obviously didn't speak English. Um, it was sometimes difficult to get translators. We sometimes would have one from the military. Sometimes we would We'd have to do it on the, you know, on a on an iPad, um, and it took a little bit of learning to figure figure all that out. Um, they were scared. The Afghani women, a lot of times, we gown up just for a vaginal delivery. They thought we were going to the operating room. Um, so there was, it was, you know, there there was that, uh, um, you know, they were very grateful, and and it was a, a lovely experience to take care of them. Um, you know, my my present husband his mother is afghan is from afghanistan and so it felt like a it felt like a full circle to be honest with you is really um it was really something um and i feel like the team learned a lot and uh was was very um excited to to help out and actually virtual did such a good job my boss she was she's she's fantastic she really has um, redesigned the whole OBGYN program at Virtua and made it fa- just fantastic. She, she did such a great job that, uh, that um, the military, you know, they, they started to send more, they closed other military uh, um, Afghani um, places and, 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 and put them at Fort, at um, Fort Dix. So that was uh, really um you know, credit to to her and to Virtua and to all the caring that Virtua does, um, and the staff, the nurses. I mean, if you can only imagine, everybody was exhausted from COVID. I mean, N95s were not meant to push for four hours with some. You know, it, it was it was quite an experience, the whole thing, and then and then and then everything after that. Um, but um, but it was a phenomenal experience. I think it made the team closer um, to, you know, uh, you know, and we were a high functioning team going into it, which I think is extremely important. I think that's really why you need to have high functioning teams because um, when you're called upon in life to do things that you don't expect that you'll have to do, um, if, you're, if you're high functioning and you're uh, caring and you're, um, uh, efficient, I, I feel that, you know, you, 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 you do a better job. It's, it's not as hard. That's gr- wonderful. Everything that you just talked about with, you know, starting off with the Mamo Patmobile and then moving on to, you know, helping those Afghani women who had to be terrified and how you guys had to pivot over to making changes that, you know, being understanding of the fact that yes, a male provider would not be the ideal situation and everything. So kind of at this point, um, what are your future plans? Any other community things that you'll be doing or other future things that you'll be doing within Virtua? 
Um, well, you know, I, you know, there's always change every, I've, what I've learned from this job is that, is that change is a constant change is definitely a constant thing and that it's good. Change is good. And it is, um, exciting, um, can be daunting. Nobody really, I think loves change, but I think that to try to think of it as something that will bring new, new ideas and, and new, and new roads to travel down is really, really important. That's what I try to tell all of the doctors who do report to me because it is hard. It's hard when you're told, especially as an employed physician, you know, we need you to do this or can you do this or we're going to try this. Um, change is hard. Um, but um, I think that, you know, you know, getting all of the, um, uh, you know, getting all of the outpatient, we, well, we also, we started a new residency program. I've been helping um helping out with that, um, teaching the residents, which has been so much fun. Um, I feel like they make me feel young, which is, which is really, really the best. They're, they're, they keep you on your feet. You know, they're just, you know, they're, they're so, they ask, they're so bright eyed and, you know, so excited. And there's that whole feeling of excitement, you know, going into work now when they're there, um, which, which has just been a breath of fresh air. Um, so that, that's fun. And I'm not sure what the future uh, really will hold. Um, I'm, you know, always looking out to see how we can increase more, more access. You know, I, I think that maybe changing the way we deliver healthcare is, probably the best is the best way to go that I'm think I think that you know being in in, a, in an office from nine to five is probably not the answer any longer and that we need to change the model with how we give care and uh, you know whether it's um, you know whether it's putting out you know like urgent care you know urgent cares in different places um, uh, you know it, or, or or you know, I mean, I don't think we should build more buildings, but maybe maybe putting more physicians and um, nurse practitioners out into the community more, thinking more about where we're, where our offices are, and um, and trying to um, maybe change our hours a little bit. I know it's hard; nobody really wants to work weekend hours or evening hours, it's hard, but maybe like we have hospitalists now, laborists, maybe a group, there are, you know, having people that work shifts that are later shifts um, might be the something that I, I think is probably the right way to go. Um, I think it's really, really important to get people screened, you know, to get everybody screened involved. I think, you know, um, I think have being in the community is important. I, I think we learned, you know, with the, with the, with the vaccines and, and, and really the dis, distrust of medicine, which has been rightly earned, you know, uh, I think, uh, you know, seeing us in the community and part of the community, um, I think that that that's how things change over time. You know, I think that would make the biggest change is, is uh, bringing in and training physicians um, of all different backgrounds and, and every, and everybody going into the communities they serve and, and just being a part of that community, I think is really, really important. And I think Dr. Kramer, you've already started that by bringing healthcare to the community. And we really applaud you for all the work 
you've done, really serving as a role model for health equity and how we deliver health equity and how we ensure that everyone receives the health care that they need and that they should have. Could you give us three final takeaways that you would like the audience to know? Gosh, um, I think that it's never too late to go back to school. That's one. I, I would say that I really thought long and hard. I'm 54 years old and I thought long and hard before I went to get that MBA thinking, you know, is it too late for me? Would it matter? And not only did it did I learn a lot? It was so much fun and, and it's so wonderful to keep learning. I think learning keeps you young and 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 uh, and, and involved, but I think it, it opens doors and I, and just meeting the people I met in our class and our professors. Uh, I'll never what just what a fantastic experience. That was probably one of the best things I've ever done um, in my life. So I would say you're never too old to 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 do that. I think um, two. I think it's important to, um, to, to speak up. I think that uh, one of the things that I talked to my doctors and my residents about, um, one of the things that we talked about, you know, when we talked about, like you had mentioned implicit bias or, or when things have, that we have, you have to have each other's back, that you have to speak up for, it's not good enough just to say, so the, you know, if you if you overhear something that's not right, that 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 you know you need to speak up at the time, and you can do it in a polite way, and you can do it in a respectful way. But you, but we all it's it's hard to do it, but you have to do it. We need to empower each other to do that. I think that is incredibly important um, to be able to to um, to to support a team. Um, and I think uh, the third thing um, is that. Uh, you know, it's important to, to learn the tools of leadership. Um, and it's not just saying, well, I'm the boss and I say so, so you better do it. Um, I think that's what I did for about 15 years when I, when I ran my own practice. And, um, and I think building bridges is important too. And, um, and, and making connections with other people is important and getting out there, pushing yourself out there. You know, when I came to Virtua, they had a, so many, you know, they had, a, there were a lot of meetings in before COVID, you know, in person and where and they would always serve, you know, there'd always be a little bit of alcohol, you know, you can have like a glass of wine. I remember having a glass of wine and then saying, hi, I'm Rachel Kramer. And that really helped, you know, to get out there and meet people, meet primary care doctors. How can we help each other? How can we help our patients better? Um, and, um, and getting to know the people who are interested in um, the same things that I was and trying to make healthcare better. Um, I think that's so important. And, and also, you know, working for a, a healthcare system that aligns with, with you and your goals and what you think is important. I, I think that's um, big satisfaction for me. Um, you know, when I, this is, this is my first employed, really big first employee job and um, by, by a cis healthcare system. And I, I just got lucky. I didn't realize, you know, that I aligned so well with them, but I'm, I'm very happy about that. And I would encourage people when they go to, to, to look into employment opportunities as a physician, that you, you, can, you consider what the goals are of the institution and make sure that there are things that, that, you, that you believe strongly in. I think you can do more together that way. 
This has been wonderful. I have enjoyed talking to you and learning about your outreach and how you've taken medicine and really taken it to the next level. How can people connect with you? How can they follow you? I know you're on LinkedIn if you want to give your LinkedIn handle or how people can connect if they want to continue this conversation. Oh, yes, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, just uh, Rachel Kramer, K-R-A-M-E-R-M-D-M-B-A. Um, that's where I am on LinkedIn, um, working for virtual health. And uh, yeah, and uh, um, certainly um, my email is rkramer at virtua.org. So if anybody wants to reach out about the um, mobile uh, units or, you know, how things get started um, or just questions about the journey, I'd always be happy uh, to answer them or to help somebody out. I think it's important that we help each other out, that we all realize we're not in competition. We're all here to help patients and help help our communities get healthier and stay healthier. And that's really important. Thank you Thank so you much, Rachel. Much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this podcast, Beyond the Frontline Lessons from Healthcare Leaders. Please like, share, and subscribe. If you like this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Health Leadership Brain Trust and let us know if you have any topics that you would like to hear about on future podcasts. See you next episode.